Welcome to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with me, Shelley Fischel of Tomorrow's VA and Joe Brianti of JLB Support Solutions. In each episode, we'll chat about what we're up to and bring you fantastic interviews with guest experts, as well as our app of the month and top tips, all aimed at helping you to grow your VA business. So grab a cuppa, sit back and join us for a fun-filled hour. Welcome back, listeners, to this week's episode of Virtually Amazing. And welcome back, Joe. It's, it's, uh, although we were only chatting a few minutes ago, because as you know, listeners, we batch record our interviews. So Joe and I are hopping on and off of Zoom all day long when we're in recording mode, which is quite fun and uh, quite, quite tiring as well, as you may well imagine. So, Joe, in the last episode, you were talking about relaunching your new business model, yep. your, your, the new version of, of your business with a new website and new, fun, new packages and just new services. So I'm intrigued because you haven't mentioned this to me properly before. <laughs> now, as by the time this episode airs, I want to know what you've been up to and what have you changed? How's that thinking come about? And um, let just briefly, how is the thing, what made you change and, and what are you now doing? What are the services that you're now offering that you weren't doing before? Or how is, how is it solidified? So my background was always project management. It was in a consultancy type role. And um, when I started my VA business, it was convenient it was easy I took on a lot of things that I was very capable of doing but over a period of time I'd really fallen out of love with a lot of the services that I was doing and I had got more involved with GDPR since probably about 2017 when I started looking at it and over a period of time I built more knowledge and um I was getting more and more interested in the changes that are coming along. So it seemed a natural progression. And um, I'm training to be a data protection officer. Oh, so that will be a formal part of the, the, the niche I've developed in my business. And I've got three sort of business level services. One is um, do-it-yourself where I provide um, guidance for you to do it. There's a hybrid where we work together to sort of resolve your GDPR inquiries and there's a full done for you service. And that service includes provision of contracts and policies from Annabelle Kay. And I feel really excited for the first time in quite some time about the new direction and just being back in that sort of consultancy vibe where, um, I feel really comfortable. Excellent. That's so, that is really, really great news um, because GDPR is such a minefield. Yeah. And I know when it came, all came out, um, I, I've used Annabelle's uh, contracts. I've used Annabelle's policies, all of those yeah. things, which are really great. And I actually had the lovely Sarah Banks, who we interviewed a few episodes ago. Um, she actually came in and helped me formulate all my policies and get them get them done because I think often the the legal language and understanding the terminology and what the requirements are yeah. bypasses a lot of us mere mortals um, yeah. and uh, and you just need somebody with that kind of analytical mind that yeah. says well this slots in this box and this slots in this box because 
it is kind of partly a tick box exercise, yeah. but partly a proper requirement, which is quite a right proper yeah. requirement because people's data is important um, and safeguarding that data is, is very important too. So that's really exciting. So how does it fit with your other, I mean, I presume you're not going to stop offering all your other services. Some of the other services I have stopped um, because they don't fit into the, 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 the kind of niche that I'm pulling together. And alongside the, the data protection work, there's, there's still very much the support for systems and processes because yeah. those underpin your GDPR. Yeah. Selecting the right tools and configuring tools in the right way um, helps with your compliance, but it also helps to streamline your business. And I think they're all very integrated. So that is where my niche sits. So there's a lot of other things that are you know, I'm coming to the end of contracts with people and I'm directing them to people who want to remain doing that type of work. And I am very much pivoting in that new direction. Um, and, and so I'm in that sort of crossover point where things are, are moving um, quite a lot at the moment. And it's exciting, it's challenging, and um, it, it's looking really sort of optimistic for the future. No, that's I'm so pleased. It's it's really great. And I think it's really important once you can figure out what it is that you love doing and how you can bring that into your business. And I think listeners, if you're listening, it also reinforces something that we've heard time and again throughout all of our episodes, that you might start out doing one thing and end up doing something else. And sometimes yeah. when you start out, you can't actually know what that something else is because you have to figure it out. And, yeah. and I think I think the figuring out is all part of life's rich tapestry, yeah. isn't it? And, and I, I think this sort of is a, is, a, is a really good shoe in for our guest today, who has really developed um, a certain way of working and and packaged up her services in a really effective way, both for herself and her business, but also for her clients. So. You know, I'm really interested to hear how she's gone from sort of the VA uh, startup to where she is now, because I'm sure that's going to be a fascinating journey. Yeah. And just to put you out of your misery, listeners, we're going to be interviewing Michelle Dale of Virtual Miss Friday, who is going to enlighten us as how she became such a big name and how she can run her business from anywhere which is also fascinating you know like have, have laptop will travel sort of business so i am very excited to be talking to michelle and uh, i think we better go and queue up that interview catch you in a minute welcome listeners to today's episode of virtually amazing the podcast and today's guest is the wonderful michelle dale who's joining us all the way from Egypt. So we've got Egypt, we've got Israel with me, and we've got Joe in London. So we are truly international today, which is so exciting. So um, Michelle, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, about where you come from and maybe how you got to be in Egypt? Um, yeah, sure. So I'm Michelle and I originally come from the UK, as you can probably tell by the accent, although it's got a bit walked over the years um but yeah so so I was basically living in the UK and I had a very average lifestyle um I 
had the, the house with the gravel driveway and I commuted an hour in the morning to work and probably an hour and a half back during rush hour. And um, I was kind of just like going through the motions of, of living my life and it, and it felt like I was living for the weekends and living for holidays and things like that. And it was just a very, um, very vanilla kind of existence really. Mm. Um, and then one day I came home from work and I found that my house had been just completely robbed. Everything in it had gone. I called the police, my door was off the hinges. Um, I, I just basically came home to an empty house after work one day. And I went in, I had a little home office at home and I went in my office and whoever went in and, and took everything, they took my utility bills, my uh, birth certificate, they took everything except my passport was on the floor. And I thought to myself, Do you know, that's a sign. I don't know what it was. I had this like moment of mm. like, you can change your life. I don't, you know, I, I loved going on holiday. I always dreamed of going on exotic destinations. And the year before um, this happened, I went on holiday to Egypt um, and I went to Luxor. I went on a Nile cruise. I just felt amazing here. Um, it was sunny every day and it was so cheap. Um, and I just kind of sat on my living room floor and I just thought, this is it. This is my time. I have, I've lost basically everything that I've worked for over the years. And now this is a sign it's my time to change. So Literally the next day after this, I went in and told um, my work. I, I had a, a, an office job and I went in and told my work um, that I was leaving. And I went down to the real estate agent. I put my house on the market and I went to the travel agent and it was all on the same street where I worked. I was working in a, in a bank and I went to the travel agent and I um, booked a ticket for Egypt for exactly three months later, which was the day before my 24th birthday. So I thought I'm going to start my 24th year um, in, an, in a new, completely new life. And during that time, I just sold everything. And then I had my laptop and I had my suitcase and I had my plane ticket. And then I ended up in Egypt. Wow, wow. that's an amazing story. <laughs> that is, that, do you know, of all the stories we've heard about reasons for people to start their kind of VA journey or their new life, having the house robbed has not come up yet that is amazing i, know, I didn't realize that I, I think your reaction there was amazing more than more than that how you didn't discombobulate yeah and crumble yeah <laughs> i know i know and i did really i did have a good cry and i had a really a, a large bottle of wine or two that night as well <laughs> um, I had a lot of thinking to do, but you know, the crux of it was in the end, I just knew that, that that was my sign and that was my time and mm. I was, I needed to do something. Yeah. So you, you, you move to Egypt, you, you get on a plane, you go on holiday to Egypt to, to live on holiday. Um, and what happened next? How did you decide what you were doing next? Well, it was really interesting because I only had a one-way ticket. And honestly, after that, I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought maybe I could stay there for a while and just kind of decide what, how I was going to continue with my life. And, mm. you know, it was, it was just kind of had no plan, basically. And I remember getting off the plane in Egypt and just this heat hitting me and just remembering, you know, and it was also, I, I remember the, 
the sunset was coming down as well. So we landed like just, just as the sun was going down. And I just knew then, like, I don't want to go back. I don't mm. want to go back to that old life. And, mm. and then really soon after that, um, I started just opening up my laptop. Like I spent a few days just trying to get myself arranged and I opened up my laptop and then I just started researching how to make money online. Because all I knew is that I needed to make money now. I didn't have a lot of money um, with me. Um, so I need, because obviously I didn't really have a lot to sell after my house was all robbed and everything. Um, and I had a big mortgage, so that had to, you know, my house was sold really quickly and that had to be paid off. So I didn't really have anything. Um, so I had to earn money quickly and I started researching. And back then in 2005, that was before even social media existed. Yeah. You know, there, was, there was nothing out there. But I came across this concept of being a sort of mobile, but, you know, personal assistant type thing where you could work from your home and visit um, people like, you know, once a, a week or something like that. And I thought to myself, well, why would you need to visit? And I started looking into it a bit more. And I thought to myself, I could do this. I could take my skills that I had already just from working jobs uh, and I can put them online and I could, I could make a business out of this. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, I did, by the way, I did loads of things coming to that point as well. It wasn't like, yeah. it, I, I was selling Egyptian rugs on eBay. Um, and I was trying to find work just kind of like helping customer relations in hotels and things like that. I was, I was doing everything. Yeah. Until I stumbled across that concept. Yeah, no, it, it does take, it does, does do that. I totally get the not having anything because in my early life here, um, I was also in a, a similar, similar situation of starting with literally not very much so that really resonates with me which is uh, fascinating and it's how we react and how we find things and you know I've done cleaning jobs of an evening yeah and sort of <laughs> I've done everything <laughs> yeah just to put food on the table so I totally get that you, you have to get your hands dirty you have to do whatever you have to do yeah. so uh, I mean I don't do the cleaning now don't get me wrong it's one of the <laughs> very early on that I worked for was to have a cleaner. That was my reason when I first went back to work. One of my reasons was I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I had to earn the money to do that. Yeah. Um, that, that was great. So, so you, you set up and you, you're doing, you come across the idea of virtual PA or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. And you, you started off doing that. So how did you evolve from, this is just so fascinating. I'm totally fascinated. I love people's stories. I'm mm. sure our listeners are fascinated too. So how did you evolve from being you on your lonesome, doing some odd PA work for whoever they were, to Virtual Miss Friday? Um, okay, well, so, so to start Virtual Miss Friday, I realized like I need a website and, you know, like I kind of realized I needed certain things. Yeah. And I didn't have any money to pay for it. So I literally had to um, sit down and learn everything myself. So I learned how to build, build myself a website. I learned how to start setting up the systems, how to start taking money um, over the internet. So I kind of had a real big crash course in everything to do with setting up an online business um, through setting up my own um, back then. And then just um, gradually as I went through, I was still solo, I was still working alone. And then one day I found myself pregnant. Um, so with that obviously carried a lot of responsibilities. And although I was kind of making enough money doing this just to support myself, I didn't, I didn't 
have enough to support other people as well. And then, you know, like have, yeah. finding out you're pregnant when it was completely unexpected in, in every way whatsoever, because I didn't think I could have kids. Um, it just motivated me even more. It was just that sign, like, I've got to, I've got to take this somewhere. I've got to take this business somewhere because it was the only source of income. So basically from there, I, I just decided, okay, how am I going to scale? Because there's only me and my hours are about to be reduced now because I'm going to have a baby. So what do I do here? Um, and then that's when I thought to myself, right, I need to start hiring someone just to kind of help me and take the load off. And that's when I did my first hire. Um, and then another one came and another one came and I ended up building this team. Um, and from there, I just ended up scaling the income up a whole lot and then what the concept of one sourcing was born where you have one person responsible uh for your work and your business but it's not necessarily that one person doing everything um and, and it just really grew from there it grew really organically but it grew really fast because within a year from kind of being on my own just making money for myself to having a full team bringing in like more than 20 grand a month and it it just like was in a year but and it was all while i was pregnant and then having the baby as well so it it's just i wish there was like this magic formula that i <laughs> could tell you yeah. how it happened but really it was just sheer freaking determination and knowing that there was no other way and this had to work yeah I, I totally get that. Absolutely. Mm. Totally. And how we, at that point, I mean, we're going back to sort of almost pre, I mean, very early internet before Facebook, before LinkedIn, what were your techniques for getting clients? Because I'm sure some of those techniques are still just as valid today, you know, away from the, the, the online world. They might be, I guess. So, so for me, you're absolutely right. Facebook didn't even start till 2007. It was founded in 2007. I would have been going two years then. Yeah. And I remember in roughly around 2008, 2009 as well, Twitter came out and, and I was yeah. thinking to myself, God, this is going to change my business completely. It was, it was just amazing. By that time, I'd had another child as well. So yeah, for me, it was like seeing everything evolve and seeing all these um, avenues to generate more income and more clients, and more leads online was just revolutionary. But how I started was really humble. Obviously, the first thing I did is I went and told anyone and everyone about my business. And I just said, please spread the word, tell anyone that you can. I know it's an unusual concept and they might be afraid of hiring someone that's on the other side of the world, but you know, just let me talk to them. Um, so that was fine. But I tell you, a lot of clients came from word of mouth, but I tell you where my first clients came from. I went back then, back in the day, there was a lot of online business directories and places where you could post your business. Um, and I just went and researched and got a list of as many online business directories or places where you could post your business as I possibly could. And I posted my website and my business details on all of them. And then from then I started getting inquiries from these places. So I think the first month that I did that, I got three new clients just, just wow. from these directories. So I guess they're like looking for directories on online searches. I came up in the search engines. And that's amazing. That's, that's really cool. So at the beginning, before, before the one source um, 
concept, which I think is fascinating. The idea of uh, having somebody just run your whole business for you or take away all that admin leaves you to get on with whatever it is that you do instead of having to find people to do all those different things. So I think that's, that's quite amazing. So, so, so when did that kind of idea evolve? Because obviously at the beginning you were doing every, all the regular stuff. Yeah. So what happened was I started in 2010. um, I was doing really well in my business. really well in my business and there was a and I was still traveling and I was still living in different countries I think at that time I was living in Spain um so um a a lot of people had sort of found me then at that point and saw what I was doing and I wasn't very public in the beginning about the travel aspects I thought that might be detrimental to my business and then in the end I just thought no I want want to start sharing because I used to get a lot of questions from virtual assistants like how did you get started and where can I find information and who trained you and it's like I trained me. <laughs> um, so, so I thought to myself at that point, I was, I was getting so, so, my, so many inquiries from virtual assistants. So I thought, okay, I have to do something to kind of just be able to help people, but not doing it all individually and things like that. So I decided to start blogging then and, and created a training course. So in 2010, I started training virtual assistants on on how to become a virtual assistant. And then as I was doing that over over the years and people started to say to me, like, I I really want to learn how to scale up and I really want to learn how to do what you're doing and and make this kind of income and this, these, you know, take it into six figures and multi six figures. Um, And then that's when I decided to con- conceptualize what I'd done in my business by going into consulting, creating a team, doing the whole digital operations management mm-hmm. of it. And then that's when one sourcing was born when I gave, when I gave it a name, basically it'd been going for years. And then one day I just said, I can, organize this into a structure that can be replicated by other people. And I'm going to call it one sort of thing. I think it's a brilliant name actually, because it actually says what it is. It's one source for everything. So I yeah. think, I think that's, I think that's great. So, so, so you now have um, other VAs that run those different, is it, is it sort of like a franchise or is it just, um, no, it's not a franchise. A, a lot of people have asked me if I'm ever going to franchise it. And I, and I don't think I would because I don't want to lose the integrity of yeah. how personal mm. it is as, as, a, as a concept and, and how we deliver it. And, you know, there's, there's high standards and it's, it's, it's kind it's like my baby. It's kind of special. So I don't think I would franchise it, but I do love to teach it to other people. So I have people, I created a team, I have people that work on my team and they service my clients with me, they support me in in that. And obviously the people that I train can go away and use the one sourcing concept and say that they offer one sourcing services. And over the years as well, based on the different people I've been training, some people have like, I don't want to do digital operations, but I want to go into finance. And I'm like, we'll create a, a one sourcing operation for finance. Um, so we've taken it in loads of different directions with the different yeah. people I've worked with. And that's been really fascinating to me. So it's, it's really flexible. Um, 
and, and really adaptable to any kind of situation. It's just a, a, a really good general all around scalable business model. So the people that come into one sourcing, they're obviously part of the community. Um, we all work together, we all bounce off each other, but they have their own businesses and they're running their own businesses and they build their teams through the connections they make um, inside the members area. And we always say, oh, um, I hired a really good graphic designer and you know this is their details if you're looking for one of things. Because one sourcing is a role-based model. So we don't sell services, we sell roles. Um, we sell the, the role of the person because I always found over the years that people valued people way more than they valued the task because you can, you can quantify a service too much and people have very odd ideas about how much things should cost. Yeah. They don't think about who it's coming from. Um, so I, I personally prefer to, to put the role in place and then say, well, we have this role and we'll cover all the tasks that go under this role. Um, so since I started selling services, it's been really easy to help people to make their businesses more profitable, to go more into packages instead of hours, um, and to just kind of show the client the value of yeah. what's being offered as opposed to it's a task and this is how much it costs. Yeah, I think that's that. I think that is that's fascinating. I, I saw a post in a Facebook group that I'm in. Um, Joe, you're in the same group. You may have seen the post. Um, somebody was saying how they have a virtual assistant and she does so much for him and she does this. So she basically manages, does what, what you do. And, uh, and he wants to give her a business title. What title should he give her? So there's a whole thing all about the title. And then somebody popped up and I think you should give her a bonus. <laughs> absolutely definitely if she's so valuable then give her a stonking great business title and a bonus yes <laughs> yeah i vote for that too it's one of those things in this industry you see a number of conversations about business titles am i a virtual assistant am i an online business manager am i you know it, it it's more about the services and, and the value you offer rather than the title I would have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this debate about should I call myself a virtual assistant has really been going on since right. the early days when the, the term virtual assistant was first coined. And everyone's saying, no, you shouldn't because it makes you and, and particularly when it started going a bit more global and we've had people out in India and the Philippines calling themselves virtual assistants and the people in the Western world getting upset with that it's like, come on, this is so petty. It's like, if it describes it and people know the term, then use it. You know, I'm, I'm proud to call myself a virtual assistant. And, you know, I, I could call myself a CEO or, you know, or whatever, a managing director or God knows what else, online business consultant manager. It, it really doesn't matter. People are not buying a title. They're, they're buying into me and, and yeah. what I can do for them. So. Yeah. Well, that's that's really good. So what what kind of tips um, coming back now to my list of questions, which we haven't even got to because it's been so fascinating. <laughs> I talk so much. That I... No, 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 no. Don't stop. Don't so stop. interesting. It's really, really interesting. So what tips can you give to somebody who's just starting out? Are there any lessons that you've learned that you could save them from learning? Yeah, sure. Well, for, from my own struggles and for what I've seen really helps accelerate um, other people when they're starting as well, is to really go out now and find a, a good 
mentor, somebody who's doing exactly and has the biz exactly business exactly how you want it. Um, whether that's working just as a solo VA and or part time or having a team, whatever, it's go and find the person that you can look up to, the person your go to person to learn from. If they happen to also be doing training or mentorship or coaching or anything like that, that's just an added bonus. But you need to, you need to have someone to follow, to model, not necessarily obviously to copy, but to just use as a baseline for yourself. And it has to be someone who has the exact business that you're looking for. And also I would say the lifestyle that you're looking for as well. Um, so a lot of people, I, I was on a, um, conference call the other day with IVAA, like the International Virtual Assistant yeah. Association, and also the, the UK Society of Virtual Assistants. And we were doing this um, conference thing where we all like were speaking, we had a panel and we were all speaking. And the late, one lady said on the panel, you know, I get, I get asked so much about how I can start a VA business and run it from an RV or how I can start a VA business and run it out in India. And she's just like, I can't help you with that. Go to Michelle, <laughs> you know? So everyone, just cause you're a virtual assistant and just cause you have a really successful business does not mean you're the right person to train and coach every other virtual assistant out there. Mm -hmm. You've got to find someone who, who, you can men who can mentor you, who matches your lifestyle and the business you're looking for. And then really find a good foundation course for how to start a virtual assistant business that just covers all the basics to get you going, you know, like your website, the systems that you're going to need, how to do your invoicing, that type of thing. Um, I have one myself um, for, for people. It's a very low cost course and it just gives people all the basics. So whoever you choose as your mentor, whoever you find out there, see if they've got something like that available in, and start there as your foundation. I think that's really crucial advice, yeah. Andy. Definitely crucial advice. I started as an IT trainer working for a training company to learn a, the software, and B, the art of training. Um, and it was only once I was sure that I knew what I was doing and I watched how the business was running that then I felt confident to go out and strike it out and do it, do it myself. So yeah. I think that is, that is really, really, really crucial. And it's, it's also interesting, Shelley and Michelle, there's a very definite theme for the last couple of yeah. podcast recordings yeah. where, you know, we've um, spoken to you, Michelle, and we've spoken to Rebecca Newham and a couple of others before that have all mentioned they have a mentor, they have a coach, they have worked not necessarily all the time, but they have, you know, they've had a period of coaching, they've moved their business forward, they've taken on some mentoring. Um, and I think that's a real lesson for all of us. Yeah, I think I think I agree. I'm, I've always had a coach on and off, not consistently all the time, but every so often I'll think, okay, I now need to move to the next level or do the next thing. Um, and I'm not sure what that next thing might be, but somebody else will know. And yeah. Yeah, so I'm about to start working again with an online training coach because that's what she does, online training, and she's a coach. So it's going okay. to, and she, you know, and she's going to be able to tell me how, well, help me figure it out. Because I probably, I think the thing I've learned from coaching is that we actually have the answers. Um, it's just the coach helps you find helps, those answers. Yeah, extract them. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, 
Yeah, I mean, when you start thinking about packaging your services, going from an hourly rate to a, a role-based or a package rate, what what sort of things do you take into consideration when you're when you're thinking about that? Um, and do you kind of, I mean, I mean, this is just a facetious comment. Do you do like think the finger up in the air and say, well, it's worth so much? Um, or do you actually sit down and say, well, that job's going to take this many hours and it's going to cost me this much and then I need to add on that much? And then you kind of round it up a bit and get to a price. Yeah, this is a really good question. And there's also been so many debates over pricing over the years, like should you do by the hour? <clears throat> there is also this concept of value-based pricing where you kind of look at the client and size them up and say, oh, I'm going to charge you this. Um, I don't do that. I don't do the value-based pricing model um, where some people could be getting the same service and it depends what it's worth to them or how much they can pay. I, I, I have my packages and they're fixed. And for me... It's like I base, I base my packages generally around the time it's going to take mm. and also the profit that I want to make. Yeah. Um, because obviously a lot of the time I'm doing the consulting and I'm also overseeing my team, but I have a team leader and I have people mm. that do the work. So that all has to be factored in, but that's all part of the value of the service. Yeah. Um, when you hire a, a solo virtual assistant, you're taking the risk that they might get sick, they might drop off, they might decide to leave one day, they might get a client paying more than you and you, you know, so the, the value of having uh, the team in place and the cover in place and always there's two people that know exactly how to service the client mm -hmm. so there's never any downtime that type of thing you have to factor all of these things into the cost I also hire people um, you know because I'm a really good generalist VA I know how to find my way around most of the services but I, do I specialize in all of them no like I specialize in a couple of things but I hire professional people to help me. So mm. I have to factor the cost yeah. of having professional people in those specific roles, whether it be graphic design or a website developer or anything like that. So yeah. it really helps generally, uh, just as a tip, to have a really good grasp on the overall concept and roughly how long things take. So when you are doing the hiring process and doing your pricing, you can say to yourself, well, I know roughly how long that takes. Also, there's another thing that I do. I have very strict parameters about my services and what's included in them. Um, in, from the systems that we use to the number of pages we're going to build on a website to, to all these. So I get very specific mm. when I do put packages together. And anything outside those specifics, I say there could be an additional charge. So I get really specific on what I'm offering. I get specific on knowing who's going to be doing it, what I'm paying those people and how long it's roughly going to take. I add in a little contingency and then I get my package price. That's really useful advice, I think. And yeah. I think that's a really good way of looking at it as well. And I think it also comes back to that thing of you having done all the jobs yourself at the beginning. Yeah. Because you know how long it would take. Now, of course, if you're not really a web designer, um, it, or, or not a designer, a web developer, it's going to take a web developer less time to do it. But they are going to charge more because they've got that expertise. Um, so I think, I think that is a, a brilliant way of putting it all together. And I think also what, what strikes me is it's not something that you might think about or know how to do right at the off. It might be something that kind of creeps up on you as you've been in business for a little while and you suddenly realize there must be a better way of doing this. 
So yeah, um, very, very much so. Yeah. And obviously I have my service packages, which are all based on the roles that we offer, like personal assistant, customer service representative, that type of thing. So I have those service packages and they're usually fixed. And I fix those um, between a five figure business, a six figure business and a seven figure business. So I kind of know roughly because I've worked with all of them and I know roughly what it requires to operate an online business that's churning that amount of money. So for me, it's, it's kind of like the experience, it comes with experience and you, you will fall fat on the face sometimes. You might lose money some months, but you'll learn and then you'll improve from there. You know, I also have my consulting rates and I have my project rates as well for building uh, websites, so. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Joe, do you have any more questions for Michelle? <laughs> No, I, I am absolutely fascinated. I guess the one thing I, I, I would sort of wonder about is how easy is it to kind of up sticks with three small children, move to a new country, get them settled in schools, um, you know, get you set. I mean, I can understand you. You just pick up your laptop, plug it into a Wi-Fi or broadband somewhere, and that's fine. But there's this whole other dare I say entourage of, of, of children and how do they cope with that change of friendship groups and you know does that have an impact on your thinking when you're moving around? Yeah well the traditional method of thinking is that if you move kids around they're going to have social issues and things like that um, but my kids honestly didn't know any different they were all born yeah. in different countries to start yeah. with um, yeah. so that's how much um, I was moving around and they um, they're two of them two, two of the oldest ones are fluent in Greek so they pick up languages so fast when they're young yeah. and they can make friends really easily that way they yeah. didn't have they have each other so it yeah. wasn't like I was taking an only child and putting an yeah. only child yeah. alone in a school my yeah. two older ones um, they were pretty much born within a year of each other so mm they had each other as they were going through the school process as well. So I, I don't think, I think, and, and this is my honest opinion, mm. that the more the parents worry about yeah. it, the more the kids will worry about it. <laughs> if you treat yeah. it like it's completely normal, and this is what everybody does, then they'll just think it's completely normal. And this is what everyone does. And what's you yeah. know, fine. I'll just make new friends. I'll just learn a new language. I'll just, you know, and I, and I try to always have that attitude with them, uh, that we're going on a new adventure and we're going to see a new country and it's going to be loads of different things. And they get excited about it and because I'm excited about it. But if I was sitting there worrying like, oh my God, are they going to be okay? Are they gonna, I'm not going to make any friends. And I think they would also, that, would, that energy would pass on to them and they would also have the same concerns. So I think whatever energy is coming from the parent is going to be passed on to the kids. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. So you're, you're based in Egypt at the moment. Yeah. Are there plans to, to move again or uh, are you kind of quite settled now? I'm really settled. We were saying just before this, like I came here for a couple of years in 2005. I left for 10 years. I traveled extensively. I went to loads of places that I thought to myself, well, that could be the place that, you know, I want to settle down in. And I couldn't find anywhere that I loved more than here. So I came back here in 2018. I'm going to use this as a base. So I'm going to sort of build, build my life here. And I have been building my life here. I've got pets now, which I never had before while I was traveling. I did, I did bring a cat from Greece here. <laughs> um, um, just so I couldn't part with him. But yeah, so, so my kids are a lot more settled here. 
Um, and I, I have no intentions of, of leaving permanently. I will travel and then come back again. And, and mm. that tends to be my plan. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, we, we, we travel a lot. We travel a lot. And um, in fact, next week, which is uh, September, I'm going to the USA because my daughter's expecting a baby at the end of September. So we're planning to go to the USA for that. That's Visa wonderful. So. I was in the USA twice last year. I think it's great. I like it there so much. I was visiting, actually, I was visiting um, the VA that works on my team. Oh, that's really cool that's great you get to visit all these places and visit people who work with you How yeah I a, a couple of years before that I was in India and I was meeting um my website developer who's been on my team for like nine years <laughs> and it was the first time I'd met him and I, I was out in India and I took my kids and we had a whale of a time we saw the Taj Mahal so oh, do, do you have a very global team then, Michelle? I mean, I, I know that from your website, you are location independent, but does your team reflect that as well? Absolutely. Okay. They're from one time zone all the way across to the other time zone. Yeah, so I have, I have them in Asia and India and, and out there, the UK, um, a couple sprinkled in Europe. I have one assistant, she's German, but she lives in Haiti. Um, yeah, so it's it, there's all kinds of people from all walks of life. And a lot of them wow. travel as well. So some of their time zones will change. Not so much now, obviously, because we're, we're in a very strange time um, in, in yeah. the globally in the world. But yeah, it's, I have a global team, I'm really proud of them. That's really, wow. really lovely. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. It has been a fascinating interview. Yeah. And really. I've loved every minute of it. I totally resonate with your story. It's brilliant. Me too. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. And listeners, all Michelle's details will be on the web page that will go out with the podcast later on in the year. This will go out October, November time. So we'll be able to reminisce about how nice and warm and sunny it is right now at the end of the <laughs> It'll still be warm and sunny here in November. <laughs> yeah. well, we, we record these in batches because it's the only way Joe and I can sort out diaries out. So, okay. <laughs> That's what we do. So thank you once again for listening, listeners. And um, we'll catch up with you in a minute. Well, hello, listeners. Wasn't that an absolutely amazing interview? What do you think, Joe? Just so, so fascinating. I had no idea of... of what where Michelle had come from or her backstory but you know as I said in the um in, in the podcast recording earlier there's a very definite theme coming through from a lot of our you know talks about you know the stages of growth getting a coach getting some mentor getting somebody to help you brainstorm those ideas to take you to the next stage of your business um that that was really really interesting and it and it comes across uh, and her approach to packaging and the, the the question we talked around pricing and all of those kinds of things was hugely fascinating i've learned so much today yeah i think so and i i love the idea of role-based pricing rather yeah. than time-based uh, yeah. and that's something that i kind of do i i my my courses are task-based, so they're about be solving a problem rather than building, knowing how to do this, 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 mm -hmm. this, and this. So I, I totally resonate with that idea of 
you're selling a solution and I, the, the idea of one sourcing or insourcing, I can't remember how she called it. I think that's brilliant. The idea that somebody else can just shoulder all of the admin for you and you just don't have to worry about it as a business owner is hugely yeah. liberating and must be worth every penny. But yeah. you're right. Um, I, I think for me, the big takeaway from this episode and last week's episode is this idea of having a coach, mentor, trainer, somebody yeah. to hold your hand uh, and show you the way. And one of the things I liked that Michelle said was, uh, and I have heard other people say this, is find a role model, basically. Find yeah. somebody who is doing what you do, but in the way that you would like to be able to do it, who has yeah. the aspiration or lifestyle or whatever that might be. Now, it might yeah. be living in a sunny country, uh, yeah. but it might just be the freedom to go out for a walk whenever you want. Yeah. And it really can be whatever you aspire to. But find the person that's got the business like that and find out what makes them tick and, and how they did it. And um, the other thing that we were just talking about that, that, that sprang out of that also is, is having something that drives you. Um, yeah. I think most of the wildly successful people that I've come across have got something that is driving them um, towards a vision. So they have a vision uh, and something else is, is driving them to create that. They might not know what all the steps are, yeah. but they know where they're going. But that's where the coach comes in, is to help you get clarity to define those goals, those next steps and next stages. And you work through that, work through that build, have a period possibly without a coach or a mentor, and then come back when you need that next. And it may be that, you know, you and I have talked about having different mentors at different stages yeah. and phases of our business that have helped us with different challenges as the business has grown, developed and changed. Um, Absolutely. And, and there's some very interesting sort of learning points for all of us there, you know. Um, and I know from sort of past experience as an employee, you know, mentoring doesn't have to be an expensive um, or costly business. And, you know, it could be somebody who's just a bit further along the, the VA journey to you. Yeah. who you can ring, have a cup of coffee and say, you know, how do I do that? Yeah, it's actually what's, what's made me realise um, we're going to be interviewing in a future episode. In fact, we've got her scheduled in to record the interview this week, Anne Iarchi. Now, Anne is a personal trainer and we're going to be talking to her about staying healthy when you work from home, which can be a challenge because the fridge is just next door. Uh, and uh, you get stuck at your desk all day. So how do you stay active? And she's going to give us some great tips about that. But Anne and I used to work out together. She used to come to my house and, and help me work out um, for oh, a long time, several years. Not long after she started in business, and I had my face-to-face -face training business. And most of our sessions, our chit-chat was about our respective businesses mm. and about what are you doing about marketing this week? Or have you tried this? And because each of us was not involved in the other's business, we were able to kind of co-mentor or help each other with suggestions. So you're right. It could just be somebody that you ring or you get together over a cup of coffee. And, and, yeah. you and I think that's also one of the really valuable things about a lot of the business networks where you have a trusted group of people that you can go to, you can pick up the phone to, that you meet over time. 
you build that trust, the you know, no like and trust element, and there's somebody that you can ask. So I think uh, I think all of those are valuable. So if you can't afford to pay for a coach or mentor at the beginning, you know, talk to somebody. Most of us are very happy to pay it forward and help people. Yeah. Uh, people in starting out or just a bit behind us and as we said in one of the episodes we've recorded today I can't remember which one there's enough work out there for everybody and we can't all match or suit everybody either no absolutely and 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 we don't all have the same passions the same goals the same drivers you know and and that those goals and drivers reflect our business and where we want to be and the direction we want to go in. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it, it just goes to show again how diverse this industry is and how there is space for all of us doing different things um, and the different processes that we can use in order to make our journey the one that we want to go on. Yeah, and working together and all about collaborating with each other. And I think that's, you know, really phenomenal. So I think we waffled on enough for one episode. What, what do you think, Joe? I think it's time to wrap it up. So yeah. listeners, thank you for being with us again. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode, listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed recording it. And we'd love to hear from you. Drop me a line, Shelley at tomorrowsva.com or Joe at... Joe at jlbbusinessconsulting.co.uk. Fantastic. That's your new email address, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And um, by the time this goes live, the, the new business should be well up and running. Fabulous stuff. So please, listeners, do get in touch with us. Connect with us. We're both on LinkedIn. Um, we're both um, in various guises on Facebook, although I don't tend to connect with everybody on Facebook. I try and keep my personal Facebook personal, but you can find Tomorrow's VA has a page and a group. So you can come along and join this Tomorrow's VA group. Virtually Amazing has its own page and we would love to be connected with you and hear from you. And let us know what you would like to learn or hear next. Until then, see you soon. You've been listening to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with Shelley Fischel and Joe Brianti. We look forward to seeing you or hearing you or you hearing us in the next episode, which is coming very soon.